Oh God, we worship you in this place. Oh God, we give you praise and we give you honor because there's no God like our God. There's no God like our rock. And Father, we just want to give you the praise. We want to bless you, oh God, King of the universe, who allow us to be here. And it's only because your faithfulness is great. It's only because your mercy is great. It's only because your forgiveness is great. It's only because your long suffering is great. It's only because your goodness is great. Great is your mercy towards me, Jesus. Thank you, God, as we come in your presence. We ask that you would unleash your spirit, oh God. Give us ears to hear what the spirit is saying to the church this day. And Father, we promise that when all is said and done, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Somebody put your hands together. As we begin today's message, today we are talking about soul food. Soul food. I was reading this week and I was reading how Eskimos prepare to kill wolves. And what they do is they get a knife and they cover it in blood and freeze it. And then they do it again and again till that it's just one, um, it, the knife is completely covered and all it, it looks like is just a red popsicle. They sit it up in the snow so that the blade is sticking up. And in the dark of night, the, the wolf comes and licks it. Like, oh, somebody left me this beautiful popsicle. And the wolf has this insatiable desire for blood. And so he begins to lick and lick and lick until he has licked the the knife completely clean, and he doesn't even realize that he has exchanged the cool uh, sense of some other blood for his own warm blood, still licking. He doesn't even realize that he is fulfilling his insatiable appetite for blood with his own. And there he goes. His appetite craves more and more until the dawn. He finds himself dead in the snow. That verse uh, that I always quote had new meaning after reading that story. Uh, Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21. It says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. My God. Did you all hear that? Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Did you all know that the top three leading causes of death are diet-related? And of the two million deaths that occur every single year, 1.5 million deaths are related to what we eat. Did you all hear what I said? I mean, because the wolf was looking mighty stupid licking on a blood popsicle. 
eating himself to death. But when we look at it, we now see that, you know what? Maybe that's what we're doing too. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you and your descendants may live. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And somebody said that we don't control our future. All we control is our habits, and our habits create our future. Now, that was deep. Y'all didn't, didn't even look, y'all look like that went over your head. I'm going to say that one more again. We don't control our future. We control our habits, and our habits create our future. So many of us want to be uh, millionaires. You want to be a billionaire in the future? I mean, you can hope and pray for that all day long, but unless you have habits that begin to build wealth today, ain't going to happen. I could want to be a size six all my life, but if I keep these current habits, ain't going to happen. No, we don't control our future, but we control our habits, and our habits create our, the, our future. So are the habits that we have in our lives, are they leading to life or death? I'm talking about the habits, the things we do every single day. Are they leading to life or death? Thank you. I have in this basket, unfortunately, it's stuff that came out of my own pantry and refrigerator. I wish I could have raided somebody else's. I feel that this is a good time to say just because I got the microphone don't mean I got the victory. I'm just keeping it real. Because every single, every single time we go to eat, we have a decision to make. Life or death. Living food or dead food. Living food, uh, living food fights cancer, it fights heart disease, it fights obesity, it sharpens your mind, it gives you energy. Dead food unleashes diabetes, heart disease, arthritis, obesity, high cholesterol, bl high blood pressure, fatigue, and the lists go on and on and on. So what are these living foods and these dead foods? Living foods are... Really and truly, at the end of the day, they're foods that God created. Fruits, nuts, grains, vegetables. And they exist in the raw or as near to raw as they possibly can. They're wrapped already in these bright red and orange wrappers that God himself sealed. And then we have the dead foods that are altered in every kind of way. They've taken all the nutrients out. They put all the chemicals in and, and the, the, all kind of stuff to them. So we're going to have a little quiz, and you all tell me if it's a living food or a dead food. 
And I'm not judging nobody because all this came out of my own pantry. And if I'm going to do you the favor of not judging you, then do me the favor of not judging me. <laughs> but the good news is if it's in the pantry, then maybe it's because I didn't eat it. That's one way to look at it. So <laughs> somebody said, or you just bought too many. <laughs> okay, so country time, it has all these beautiful lemons on it. Is this living food or dead food? Dead food. Um, lettuce. This is living food. Let's see here. Apple, cinnamon, Nutri-Gain bar. But it say apple on it. I want y'all to, all my dead foods at least are inspired by nature. <laughs> How about apples? That's living food. That's living food. Let's see here. How about Lucky Charms treat? I want to throw these away. These are horrible. What about wild natural honey? Living. What about famous Amos chocolate chip cookies? Stop laughing at me. So if you want something sweet, maybe you should try bananas living. Now I showed you the apples. What about applesauce? Which one? Living or dead? Yeah, but it's on his last leg. If it's living, it's on life support. Because when you look at all of the nutrients that come in an apple, and then you look at all the nutrients that come in this applesauce, all you see is vitamin C, nothing else, and maybe a touch of fiber. By the time it went to Treetop's manufacturing plant, in Seattle, Washington, and by the time they made it uh, to be able to last on my shelf for two years, you all, you all hear me talking to you? Then, then let, let's try this again, living or dead? Oh, okay, okay. Now don't be fooled by the title, Fruit Roll-Ups. What about this one, peanut butter? I, somebody says it's on life support. Even though this is natural, kind of, I don't think it's nearly as good as the other nuts. Now, we have peanuts, but I'm saying a lot of the good foods we've already eaten, these were kind of hanging out in the pantry for a long time. So we ate all the peanuts, but here's almonds and sunflower seeds and almonds. I mean, and pecans, these are all living foods. And it's better to do this than this. Amen? I mean, even if you wanted a nut butter, you could put it in your um, blender or your Vitamix. If you got to have a little sweetener, add a little natural living sweetener. Now, I wanted to bring all my spices because I have on the shelf that lasts for years and years, garlic powder. And then I have the good garlic. This is living or dead. Living or dead? Living or dead? And this is, this is plain white pasta. Now this is the whole wheat pasta. This is probably on life support, but it's a little better 
than the other one. Amen? Everything you put in your mouth has the potential to cause for you life or death. Thank you. Life or death. When you eat live foods, what happens? The vitamins, the life, the enzyme, all of that stuff immediately is absorbed into your body. And you sometimes, most times you feel better. There was a time that I was so sick that the only thing I could eat was raw fruits and vegetables. Everything else made me sick. And even though I was sick, I felt better then than I feel now that I've altered my diet. Ooh, it's quiet in here. It's quiet in here. Because a lot of times, even when we eat these dead foods, I figured, I was trying to figure out, I'm holding my stomach in now, but why I was getting a little belly. And I was reading that, stop looking at it. I was reading that even as the uh, food is digested, your body doesn't even know what to do with half these chemicals. So they're like, oh, just pack it right there, pack it right there, messing up your liver, messing up all kinds of stuff. Your body doesn't even know what to do with it. Now you give it an apple, oh, vitamin C here, vitamin A here, or um, fiber, it goes there, whatever, but then, you know, monosunoglutamate uh, does not commute. Another long word, does not compute. And your body's trying to figure out, where does, do I, what do I do with it? And that's why it takes days. Fruit goes through your system in two hours. This other stuff takes days to digest. It's, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and your great body's still trying to figure out, now what do I do with this? I want you to know that God's original plan for humans and for animals was to eat life, living food. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 29 through 30. And it reads, And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth and every tree, whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be food. So the Bible says that God said all the beautiful fruits and all the um, herbs and stuff, to you that should be food. Even after they sin, turn to Genesis chapter 3, verse 18. Even this is after they've sinned and everything. Did God change his mind? Say your punishment is you got to eat pork chops for the rest of your life. He said, uh, Genesis 3:18, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. And so even after sin, uh, God says, you're supposed to eat the herb of the field, vegetables and all that kind of stuff. Now what was happening? It was causing those jokers to live and live and live and live. They were living seven and eight and nine hundred years. 
As a matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 5, it begins telling you how long everybody lived. And then it tells you that uh, everybody was so wicked that God just got tired. I mean, can you imagine if Saddam Hussein lived for 900 years? I mean, we got pretty bad people that lived to be 70. Imagine if they had 700 years. I mean, they already got books, you know, players wrote books, and they got pimpology and all that kind of stuff, and just 70 years. Now, don't give them 700 years to perfect their game. But that's what was happening at the beginning of time. And so God said, I got to do something about this. So Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, God declares, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for indeed he is flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. So God says, uh, the years from now on, I want it to be 120 years. You keep reading, we find Noah and the ark. And God says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get all the animals. I want them to come in the ark two by two. But the clean animals, I want them to come in by seven. And the unclean animals, they can come in just two by two. That's what the word says. So they come in, this is long before there's a Jewish nation, it's long before the, the uh, 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 Ten Commands, long before all of that, this is Noah, this is Ch Genesis chapter 6. And so here he makes a distinction between the clean and the unclean, and then uh, he destroys the earth with the flood, there's no herbs, there's no fruits, there's no vegetables, and God had a plan, because he said, y'all jokers ain't going to live forever and act like this. Right? So now he gives them a new diet. Genesis chapter 9, verses 3 and 4. He says, so for every, all of y'all who are coming up off the ark, this is what I want y'all to eat. Well, not necessarily, but he says, so every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you these things as the green herbs. But if you're going to eat the meat, verse 4, but you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. So God says it's okay to eat meat. However, he did it because he wasn't trying to have y'all jokers live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I'm telling the truth. No, I'm preaching. I know, I know. God is a good God. And many times the Bible says, you know, he cuts it off for righteousness sake. And so then um, when you look in Genesis chapter 11, then you start seeing Reu lived 207 years. Shurug lived 200 years. Nahor 119. Now a couple chapters earlier, they were living 900 years. He said, now eat meat. And that just cut off hundreds of years of their life. I'm talking about living food and dead food. But I want you to know that it's not just about when you die, but it's also about how you live. Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. God tells his people, as soon as he brings them out of slavery, as soon as he brings them out of Egypt, he says, 
if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. So God is saying that if you eat the way I tell you to, not only will you live longer, but your quality of life will be better. And all of the diseases that your co-workers and your neighbors and everybody else are dying from, that won't be your portion in Jesus' name. So in Leviticus 11 and Deuteronomy 14, he gives them the instructions. Not, don't just eat every moving thing, but these are the things that's going to keep you around a little longer. And so God gives us instructions on what to eat and what not to eat. Too. It talks about uh, the clean meats. Uh, so for birds, we can eat like chicken and turkey. And for meat, meat, like steak and all that kind of stuff, it says it needs to split the hooves and chew the cud. So those are cows and deer and sheep, meat like that. The unclean meats, next slide, they do not split the hooves or chew the cud, or they do one or the other. So pigs, rabbits, camels, those kinds of things. God said that ain't the best thing for you. And, and, and if you eat those kind of things, you're going to have all the kinds of diseases that the Egyptians had. What kind of diseases? They had tumors. They had cancers. They had all kind of, the same kind of diseases we have today. The same kind. And then Leviticus 11 also talks about clean seafood. It has fins and scales. So that means that uh, they didn't eat shellfish and catfish and shark and all that kind of stuff. Now, after having a diet like that, what was the result? The Bible tells us in Psalm 105, verse 37. It says that he also brought them out with silver and gold, and there was none feeble among his tribes. So the Bible says that his people who ate his plan, even though they went through slavery, they went through oppression, they had their families tore up, they had the slave mentality, the man was doing all kind of stuff to them, trying to keep a brother down, but at the end of the day, when they stepped back and looked, there was none feeble among them. That's what the word says. And the reason being is because a law is a law is a law is a law. Gravity works for everybody, right? I, I tell you all this, God's laws work for saved and sinners. God's laws work, period. Whether you know Jesus or not, it's just the truth. Now, have you all heard of the blue zones? The blue zones where they were finding that people even today are living long past why, where everybody else is living because they have certain lifestyles. And not all of them are Christian, but they do have a similar kind of lifestyle. Why? Because I'm trying to tell you a law is a law is a law is a law. I just want to show you all this. Um, it'll tell you a little bit about the blue zones right now.
surviving on faith. Why does this religious community live longer than the rest of us? Our series, Living Longer, Living Better. A new ABC News USA Today poll finds almost two-thirds of Americans say it's worth practicing moderation, exercising regularly, eating properly, avoiding alcohol and stress in order to live to 100. Tonight, ABC's Gigi Stone introduces us to a community in Loma Linda, California, that believes it has found the answer. Marge Jetton got her first car around the time cars were invented. At 101 years old, she's still behind the wheel. At 94, Marion Westermeyer is still perfecting his dive. And at 91, Dr. Ellsworth Wareham is visiting a patient he helped operate on last night. All are members of America's longest living community, the Seventh-day Adventists of California. The Adventist Church was born during an era of 19th century health reform. It has always preached and practiced a message of health. No smoking, no alcohol, no caffeine, no rich foods, and plenty of exercise like daily walks. But the real secret, members say, is their faith itself. It could be that there's something about prayer, something about the hope that engenders, something about the social support that they get. There have been several studies to back that up. One U.S. government-funded study found those who attend religious services regularly live an average of eight years longer. You never have enough time to do all the things you want That's to do. That's right, because you're so slow, it's exasperating. She just renewed her driver's license for another five years. Like this, like this, like this. After all, she needs to be able to get to her daily workouts. Gigi Stone, ABC News, Loma Linda, California. We're, we're finished. Amen. This is Good Morning America with Charles Gibson, Diane Sawyer, and Robin Roberts. This morning, we're going to tell you why people in three places around the world are living the longest. Uh, we've got the man who went to these places and brought back their secrets. One of them, actually, in the United States, and we'll tell you about it. Our next guest has traveled to three parts of the world where people do live the longest to find the secrets of longevity. Dan Butner wrote about what he found in the new issue of Natural Geographic, which is available on newsstands on Friday. And Dan joins us now. Good to have you with us. Good to be here. So the three places that you found, Okinawa. Okinawa. Sardinia. Sardinia. And then in the United States? The Seventh-day Adventists. They live about 10 years longer oh. than the average American, the ones who most strictly follow Adventist way of life. In these three places that you studied. Any common traits? The cultures of longevity are ba basically eat a plant-based diet. They almost avoid all meat or they have very little meats in their diet traditionally. They also tend to be bean eaters and they also tend to invest very heavily in family and in community. Let's put a huge emphasis on those two. And what about those on Okinawa? Why? Well, first of all, they don't have a word for retirement. They don't think of life as a time where you work and then sort of stop. They have a word called ikigai, which essentially means the reason for which you wake up in the morning. <laughs> and it could be a passion for karate. It could be a passion for teaching. And it's that passion that drives them into uh, to age 100 with, with vigor and vitality. How about Sardinia? Sardinia, that's, uh, that's the longest-lived men in the world are found there. Bronze Age people live there. They tend to be also very isolated, very focused on the family. And we also know that people who invest in their family tend to have lower rates of depression, lower rates of stress, better heart health, and they also take care of their elders very well. We tend to have grandma and grandpa live elsewhere. In the Blue Zone in Sardinia, they always live with the family. 
And in Loma Linda, California, where you said there at the end, those who follow the Seventh-day Adventist lifestyle, uh, lifestyle most closely yes. live ten years longer. Yeah. They're, uh, they're largely vegetarian. They avoid smoking. They avoid pork. Um, they have very strong faith. Uh, one day a week, no matter how busy they are, they stop everything and they focus on their God and their family. And we know from studies that people who go to church at least four times a month live as much as two years longer than people who don't. Huh. So faith is probably a good thing to have, no matter what religion you are. There is a faith element in it. That's interesting. Yeah. Amen. See, God has fearfully and wonderfully made us. We were the crowning act of creation. And I want you to know it does not bring God glory when we look broke down, decrepit, and diseased. Hello, somebody? It does not bring him glory when we are always complaining and whining and yet holding on. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 through 20 says, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And this is why God calls us to take care of our bodies on every front. Amen? Amen. So that means that you stay away, uh, like uh, Elder Fortune was talking about what caffeine does to you. You stay away from those kind of stimulants, alcohol, cigarettes. Proverbs 20 verse 1 says, wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Proverbs 23, verse 29 and 30. This is real talk right here. It says, who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? I would add, who can't find their panties in the morning? Verse 30 tells us, those who linger long at the wine and those who go in search of mixed wine. That's real talk. The Bible tells us that we don't have to live life like that. God is telling us we are his temple, and so we walk and we live kingdom principles. And a lot of times we fuss about meat, but what about sugar? Help us, Holy Ghost. Proverbs 25, verse 16 says, have you found honey? Eat only as much as you need, lest you be filled with it and vomit. Verse 23, chapter 23, verse 1 and 2 says, When you sit down with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat. If you are a man given to appetite. It says in verse 27 of Proverbs 25, it's not good to eat too much honey, so to seek one's own glory is not glory. The Bible tells us to be temperate, even in the good things that God has given us. He said, put the knife to your throat instead of the plate if you can't handle it. 
I said, my God, that's deep, Jesus. But he wants us to live life and live it more abundantly. He wants us to be able to spend our time enjoying life instead of fussing about the high cost of health care. Instead of fussing about insurances and all that kind of stuff. We don't even have to fool with that. If we're living life to the fullest and the abundance, then that's not our testimony. I was reading about the hidden cost of a, of a value meal. It's like, well, that's the cheapest thing out there. It's only $2.99. But then you got to get a new wardrobe. Then your health insurance pro, uh, premiums go up. Then you got to pay the doctor for all the additional things that start happening to you. And then you got to pay for the medication that you can't afford. Oh, I'm preaching now. And we don't look at that. We don't look at that in the future, but remember, we don't create our future. We only control our habits that create our future. And it's not just about our, what we eat. You know, they say you are what you eat, but I believe you are what you think. Let's go to the, the next one. These, these um, quotes are coming from the chapter called Mind Cure in a book called Ministry of Healing. This messed me up. Many of the diseases from which men suffer are the result of mental depression. Keep going. There are thousands who can recover health if they will. The Lord does not want them to be sick. He desires them to be well and happy and they should make up their minds to be well. I think we missed we miss, um, part of, we miss part of the quote. I'm going to read it to you. Amen. Amen. It says, the condition of the mind affects the health to a far greater degree than many realize. Many of the diseases from, with, many of the diseases from which men suffer are the result of mental depression, grief, Anxiety, discontent, remorse, guilt, distrust, all tend to break down the life forces to invite decay and death. Did you all hear all those things? Guilt, remorse, fear, all of those things that, that are going on, it brings sickness into our life. I am very tempted to preach a series called Diseases of the Spirit. And I know y'all going to think I'm talking about all kind of other stuff, but I'm going to be talking about allergies and diabetes and heart disease. Proverbs 18, verse 14 says, The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? The Bible tells us this. It says, better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. Proverbs 17, 1. It says all that arguing and all that drama that mess with your mind and mess with your body and messes with your health. They released a study last year where they had all of these married couples come and they gave them a sore on their arm. And they found out that the ones with good marriages, the ones that knew how to communicate and get through problems without yelling and screaming and fussing and cussing, they they heal 30 to 40 times faster than the other couples. Did you all? 
Broken homes lead to broken bodies. Hello? Somebody. Y'all don't have to say amen. Y'all don't have to say amen. Well, this is something you can say amen to. Proverbs 17.22 says, A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Did you know that one research study concluded that the effects of laughter on the body is as good as aerobic exercise? It ventilates the lungs. It leaves the muscles, nerves, and heart warm and relaxed. It helps your brain, gives you creativity. There's sometimes when I'm stressed out and my husband's like, what's wrong with you? I just need to laugh. Just, 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 just turn on something. Let's do something. I need some laugh therapy right now. Tyler said, you got to laugh sometimes and keep from crying. But this is what got me. You all know those um, weight loss commercials where they talk about the cortisol, um, the stress thing that gives you belly fat, and how stress makes you gain weight, especially in your midsection. Loma Linda did some research, and it shows that after a good belly, belly laugh, levels of cortisol fell 39%, adrenaline fell 70%, and good hormones like endorphins rose 27%, and the growth hormone, which they call the youth hormone, rose by 87%. Now, they spend millions of dollars. Uh, UCLA has this whole, I forgot what it's called, uh, it's a whole new section. It's just on laugh therapy. And the Bible could have saved them a whole bunch of money and time it said that laughter is good like medicine. So we about to have a little laugh ther uh, therapy. Friends, we got some Christian friends who are cool, right? You can hang around with them. You have friends who may not be Christian yet. But then you got Christian friends, right, who are, uh, I'm just going to say this. I'm going to put it out there. You ever know somebody that was oversaved? <laughs> like you can't even have a regular conversation with them. You just try to be like, man, it's a hot one. This is pretty hot. Huh, I'm thirsty. You thirsty? Thirsty for the Lord. <laughs> like, well, uh, okay, cool. Hey, I lost my keys. Could you help me find my keys? Seek first the kingdom of God. <laughs> I was like, I just, I just lost my keys. Man, I don't know. You need the keys to the kingdom. <laughs> I didn't drive a kingdom today. I just <laughs> drove a Toyota. And I know as soon as I said oversave, some of y'all already had somebody in mind. <laughs> but if you didn't, they probably had you in mind. <laughs> you might be oversaved and you don't even know it. I'm going to help you out. This is how you can know if you're oversaved. If you're at the restaurant and you order a fruit salad, you start to pray over it. But your prayer lasts so long. By the time you eat, it's trail mix. You oversaved. If your friend buy you a vacuum cleaner and you rebuke it because it's a dirt devil. And the church said, amen, amen. Just a little laugh therapy, a little laugh therapy. The Bible says this, whether you eat or you drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 
Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in good health even as your soul prospers. But in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, the Bible says, Jesus is speaking, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrows, a discerner of thoughts and the intents of the heart. I'm talking about true living food. Jeremiah said, for your words were found and I ate them. Your word was to me a rejoicing of my heart. I am called by your name, O Lord of hosts. The living word, living food. John 6, 63, it's the spirit who gives life. The, pro the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Not only do we need to get living food in our bodies, we need the living word in our souls. And just as we feast on food, I don't know if this ever happened to your kids, but my kids have developed this habit of wanting to eat. I mean, a couple times a day, over and over. I mean, they ate all that food at the potluck last night and had the audacity to get up this morning and want some more. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Yes. And man, just as we crave and desire physical food, I'm not mad at you. The Bible says first comes the natural, then comes the spiritual. That same, the way we need that food to live, we need the living word. Just like you're not going to settle for eating only on Saturday and then say, well, I'm not going to eat again until next Saturday from 12 to 1. But you're going to keep eating and keep eating. Some of y'all eat all day. Just don't stop. Then pray without ceasing. Get in the word over and over and over again. Why? Because we can't live on bread alone. Even if it's living food, we still need the living word. As the musicians begin to play, there's a story. It's a true story of a duke who lived during the 14th century. His name was, well, I'm going to call him Ray. His name was Reynald. And he lived this life of indulgence, and he was very obese. They gave him a new name, which meant uh, Crassus, which meant fat. And one day, he and his brother Edward got into this big fight. And Edward captured him, and he didn't kill him, but he locked him away in this room. He built a room around him. It had normal doors, normal windows, and any day he could walk out. The problem was Ray, Ray, we call him Ray Ray, he was just too big. All he had to do was lose weight, 
stop eating for a couple months. It would take some time. And then he could just walk right out the door. But Edward knew how Ray was. He hired him a chef. And he made sure he kept him full with the best food. And though he was free to eat, he was never free. He stayed in that room even after his brother died. He could not get out. He died in that room. That shall not be our testimony. That shall not be our portion in Jesus Christ. But so many people today are prisoners to our appetite. And just like Ray, we may appear to be free. We may appear to be on cloud nine. We do what we want. We eat what we want. But every bite we take in many ways makes us a prisoner. But the sun came that we might be free and be free indeed. God wants to help us and God absolutely will help us to live the best lives for his glory. It's not God's will that you be sick. It's not God's will that you be uh, decrepit, no matter what people say, oh, maybe God's trying to teach you a lesson. No, it is not God's will that you are sick. The Bible says that Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Abundant life is God's will for your life. And God wants to lead you there. In your bulletins, in your hands, we have our next step cards, our connection card on the back. Pastor, can I see your card before you uh, finish filling it out? There are at least three next steps today, what we're going to do as a result of hearing this message. Now, some of us may do a total overhaul on how we eat and whatnot. Amen. But for those of us who are going to do baby steps, perhaps you just you want to begin reading and memorizing Matthew 4, 4. That man cannot live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth. You want to hide God's word in your heart so that you won't sin against him. Perhaps the second one, you want to feast on soul food by reading Matthew chapter 4. The, reading the whole thing. Or you can do all of them, actually. You're going to commit to eating five live foods in the next 24 hours. You may have another thing that you're going to commit to. Whatever it is, we want you to make a next step. I don't want you to leave out here the same way you came. Perhaps you're interested in accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you want to make this church your church. You want to grow in Christ and in kingdom living under this ministry. If that's your desire, check church membership. Maybe you want to be in our next baptism. Maybe you want to know how to serve here at Imani. We ask you to check right here on your card. Take a few moments right now and finish filling out your card.
Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we bless you in this place. Lord, we thank you that each and every day you show us your instruction, your teaching. You show us the way to life, oh God. And Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would allow each of us in this building, for those in the overflow, for those who are watching on the internet, God, I pray that you would move mightily in their lives. Empower them, oh God, so that when a decision is made, that they would choose life and that they would experience it more abundantly. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.